Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is October 8th, 2020, which means I'm on day 299 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Well, folks, the Padres lost again in the NLDS to the Los Angeles Dodgers, but this time they did not go down without a fight. In fact, they almost came back to win at the bitter end. However, the problem this time was leaving men on base. That is the issue for the Padres, it seems, this entire postseason. Leaving either the bases loaded or two men on and getting all three outs and moving on to the next inning, having left the possibility of the lead in the game on the base, twiddling their thumbs. It's just too bad. Yesterday, Manny Machado had a meltdown of sorts after the pitcher danced around for the L.A. Dodgers when his outfielder, Cody Bellinger, ripped or stripped, I should say, Fernando Tatis of an obvious home run by catching... A fly ball that was over the wall with his glove and causing an out instead in a miraculous catch that I must admit was absolutely skillful and it made the Dodgers pitcher so giddy and happy he began to dance around and you could see Manny Machado mouth the words F you and it it did not make him happy. He was really pissed about that but you know what? Machado is a showboater too. If he hits a home run, if he does something spectacular, he's going to let the other team have it, and he does not have a great attitude. He's a young, cocky individual, overpaid, so overpaid it's ridiculous, and he has not proven to me whatsoever that he's even worth a shred of the $300 that the Padres pay him. They need to renegotiate his contract and drop it down to like 100 mil, or get they, which they won't do. They can't do. They need to get rid of him. Get rid of Machado. He's a liability. He's not great. Concentrate on Fernando Tatis Jr. He's better, although he's been choking in the postseason too. These guys are not worth the money right now. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. The Padres need to score more runs. And not rely on their pitching because we all know their pitching stinks. So in the final game where they most likely lose to the Dodgers because it's best of five in the NLDS, these guys need to step it up on the offense if they want a shot at an additional game before they get swept. West Virginia is getting a much needed economy boost by some tech startups and tech firms and big-name venture capitalists that are putting money into the idea that eventually the poor region of Appalachia will somehow climb out of its old coal mining days and into the new world of high-tech. Now, Richard Branson is one of the main people focusing his efforts on this where he's going to start his Hyperloop certification track and test track in the mountains of Appalachia. 
in an area where people have long since been forgotten about after the coal industry plummeted, they are going to bring in millions of dollars and tons of jobs specifically to expand the idea of the Hyperloop, which I've been waiting for forever. I mean, the idea came up years ago, then the testing started years ago. Now we're still waiting and there's no Hyperloop. So hopefully this is one step closer to me being able to travel from San Diego to San Francisco to Portland, Oregon in 45 minutes, maybe even an hour without having to get into a plane. That would be awesome. But for right now, we're at the mercy of people like Richard Branson, who owns Virgin Hyperloop, and he plans on creating a certification center in West Virginia somewhere so that he can bring some tech and some money to some of his old stomping grounds. And, you know, I respect it. Plus, it's probably cheap there. I'm sure the tax write-offs, I'm sure everything, everything about it will be much cheaper than if he did any of this anywhere near Southern California. Just doesn't make sense to do it there anymore. That's why these big-name tech companies are leaving Silicon Valley up in, in the Bay and, you know, just leaving the whole state of California as it is for Texas and other places where they get tax breaks and the land is cheaper and all this just makes sense to me and I think it's going to be a success. And for that, I got to say, I'm almost jealous that they, on the other side of the United States, are going to be certifying this Hyperloop so far away from us, which leads me to think that an East Coast version of this will be the first one in operation. But I hope not. I mean, I just hope within 20 years, we're all smashing around on Hyperloops to wherever the hell we want. I mean, we, we're going from L.A. to Chicago in three hours or less on a really fast train. Why not? We need to do this. We could seriously wipe out a lot of air travel other than traveling over oceans and things like that by just having these Hyperloops and they are on the ground. They're much safer. Not to mention they can stop in multiple places easily and quickly and pick up more people. I mean, this just makes sense. I've been waiting for this forever. Where is it? Hurry the hell up, Richard Branson. Some of the former employees of Pabst, yes, the beer company, somehow got the rights to the name Pabst Blue Ribbon from them, acquired, you know, the copyright ability of using that name for some reason, uh, without paying, by the way, they got it for free, to create a cannabis-infused hard seltzer, which isn't hard seltzer because there's no alcohol in it, it just has THC in it instead, and have come out with lemon-flavored Pabst Blue Ribbon cannabis seltzer drink yes all those words it's it's too much to say it's a tongue twister of crap and i have to say this is genius i mean we need to start our own cannabis seltzer company before that takes off as well just think of how popular white claw and all that crap is 
We were talking about this the other day, how Zima is basically White Claw before White Claw came out. Zima was out for years and somehow fell flat. Nobody buys Zima. Kids don't know what it is. Most people have never even heard of it now. And it's virtually the same exact thing as all these hard seltzers that are now extremely popular. White Claw, whatever the other ones are called, Truly, you know, there's all these, there's a ton of them. Even Bud Light or Budweiser hard sodas or whatever you want to call that crap. It's all nasty anyways. Nobody wants any of that, but somehow it's the most popular thing. I mean, I think it tastes like shit, but my one of my brothers, actually both of them, swear by it. They drink that stuff all day. It's White Claw or nothing. I don't understand how it's possible that grown men are so into this, but they are. So why not create a cannabis-infused hard soda type scenario? Well, that's what these Paps Blue Ribbon employees did, and I am on board with it. The, the only thing to do now is to make a brand that is a rival to this Paps Blue Ribbon brand. I mean, just like Truly did with White Claw, you may as well have a backup so that when one store runs out of one, they got yours instead. This is a chance for someone to make a ton of money. I'm telling you, this has to happen. I'm on board with it. I'm going to find somebody who's, you know, I need the financial backing. I have nothing. You know, let's face facts. I have no bottling company. I have no source for the soda water, the cannabis. I have nothing except an idea. But I must find someone who has more than just the idea where I can combine my resources with them, my resources being nothing, and theirs being all of the resources, and make this happen. And before you know it, in 10 years, I'll be filthy rich. Well, folks, Governor Gruesome Newsom has declared that theme parks in California must remain closed. So anyone who had hopes of hitting up Disneyland or SeaWorld, or Six Flags, or Knott's Berry Farm, or Universal Studios, or any of the many, many, many theme parks we have in our massive state, you will not have a chance to do that soon. Now this annoys me, because I have an annual pass to SeaWorld. Yeah, I want to go. They have brand new roller coasters that I've been trying to hit up, and of course, as soon as they finished, the pandemic hit. Now, supposedly they were going to reopen in November, and that was the final word from SeaWorld. They promised November, reopen, everything's fine, we're going. But of course, now with this new report coming from the governor himself, we cannot reopen any theme parks, or it goes against the guidelines with safety first in mind, to reopen anything which they want us to live oppressed with masks on for the rest of our lives, having no fun going nowhere because we don't know what the risk of our own lives is and need the government to control us instead. This is crazy. If I want to go to a theme park, I should have the choice. If I don't give a crap about COVID, if I'm not worried about it, if I'm not scared, then why shouldn't I be able to go wherever the hell I want? 
This doesn't make any sense that you can just decide for everyone else what's going to happen. Now, they say here in San Diego, we can't reach the next tier level, which is orange. Right now we're in red, which is apparently level two. And we need to reach level three for these types of things to start reopening, which is the orange level. But we can't do that because the percentage of COVID cases in poverty-stricken neighborhoods is over 5%, sitting at 6%, where the percentage of COVID cases in the rich neighborhoods of San Diego is only 3%. Well, that's probably because less people live in the rich neighborhoods and they're never at their homes because they're always traveling or going somewhere in a yacht and their mansion is empty. Case in point, the entire strip on the beach in Coronado where I have never seen a single person in any of the mansions that sit there with no cars in front of them and no people in or out or in the windows or anything. They just remain there, gigantic and taunting all of us poor people and nobody's ever in them. So of course nobody's testing positive. There's nobody there. And they say the poverty-stricken neighborhoods include the South Bay. Well, that's where I live. So you're saying everyone here is poor? Oh, and all of us have COVID? Well, that's crazy. I don't know a single person who has it. No one. I've, I don't even know anyone who ever had it. I may have had it, but that can't be confirmed. Because whatever I had was a year ago in November when I was sick AF for a month straight and so was everyone in my family. And then all of a sudden, a couple months later, they have a name for this thing. And they have a test for it. But we never got tested because we had it before. So we all have the antibodies. None of us are afraid of it anymore. And the South Bay is not where all the poor people live. All right? Some of them, yes, including me. But a lot of people here have money. In fact, the people at Imperial Beach, they have old money where they own properties here that are now somehow worth like $900,000. Don't ask me why, because they're all pieces of shit. And maybe the people east of us in Chula Vista and San Ysidro, those are the people they're referring to as the poverty-stricken places in the South Bay that have COVID. But none of us need to go there anyways. We have everything we need here, and most of us work downtown, so I don't understand what these restrictions are doing anymore. They're doing nothing except oppressing the people and making us hate our lives. I was rejected from going into the bank two days ago because my three-year-old son didn't have a mask on. Yep, can't go in the bank, sorry. My only option was if my son waited outside with the security guard while I went in. Yep, now the security guard is a child care worker who watches your kid outside where you're not even in the same place as him while you're in a bank in the South Bay where they say it's the poverty-stricken area. So I'm sure somebody would just kidnap him real quick. I mean, this is ridiculous, people. His head is so small, when you try and put one of those masks on, it just sags below his chin anyways. So there's no point. This is stupid. I'm sick of it. I'm voicing my opinion now. You've heard it before. I hate masks. I'm against the masks. This is all over. 
Let's go back to our daily lives. I'm done. Over it. Now, we all know Hugh Jackman was and will always be the best Wolverine of all time. He played the character for nearly two decades, appearing in nine films as the master of disaster himself, the ultimate badass of the X-Men, Wolverine. However, even though he has stated that he has hung up his claws and he is done playing the character once and for all, he's never going to go back to it, don't ask him to do it, don't expect to see him, he's done, and he would be happy to see a replacement take over his position as Wolverine. Apparently, Disney and the MCU has actually made offers and is preparing to make an extremely hefty payday possibility for Hugh Jackman to make a small cameo in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse that is set to come out God knows when because of the COVID delaying every single movie we're expecting to see this year and next year. But whenever it does come out, there is a fraction of a chance that we will see Wolverine once more played by Hugh Jackman himself because who would pass up a whole bunch of money for like one scene in a movie? You would have to be a fool to do this. And I know he has pride and he probably doesn't want to go back on his word, but he has to know that the fans would love this. And with the idea of the multiverse, you can go into d different dimensions, you know, different timelines where Hugh Jackman's Wolverine still exists, where he hasn't gotten to the point where we saw him in the movie Logan, which was set in the future, where he hasn't even gotten to the point where he's become an X-Men yet. It could be any part of the timeline. It could be any version of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Now, if he refuses, maybe they could just, you know, digitize him in there like they do sometimes with other people nowadays. Maybe they wouldn't want to do that because that might piss him off. It doesn't really matter. Who will be the next Wolverine? We still don't know. There's so many people who everyone wants to be Wolverine. You know, Charlie Hunnam. I've seen people say that Elijah Wood should be the next Wolverine because he's short. I mean, the list goes on and on, but I must say, no one will ever be able to truly fill the shoes of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine himself, and if he comes back for a cameo, that will certainly make people anticipate greatly the idea of this movie, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse, coming out in 2075, probably because of the COVID restrictions, and we're all going to be dead anyway, so it doesn't matter. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we all love, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N, and today I'm going to tell you the story about when I went to the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, I went with my wife to visit her family. We did the river walk thing. Beautiful. We got all the way down to the Alamo, and 
I, I don't know what I thought it was in my mind. I thought it was like a big giant dome for some reason. I, I think a lot of people have a different idea in their head of what the Alamo is if they haven't seen it firsthand. And I don't even think I'd seen a picture of it. I just knew the story about it and how, you know, the soldiers ended up stuck in a fight, a firefight with the Mexican army. And we were in the Alamo, and most of us were massacred, and that's kind of sad. And actually, James Bowie from Bowie Knives, you may have heard his name before. Yeah, that's right. Bowie died. So did Davy Crockett. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, growing up, I loved... Davy Crockett. I don't know why. Maybe I watched the show or something when I was a kid, or if there's a famous movie with him. One or the other, I was obsessed with Davy Crockett, and I had the hat with the raccoon tail on the back of it. I would wear it everywhere, run around the house, saying that I was this famous frontiersman, Davy Crockett. I don't know where I got these things. Like I don't know how these ideas in my head existed, because now I think about it, I know nothing of him. I don't know anything about any of these people. I did not follow that side of history as much. I'm a World War II buff. I know a lot about that. But not so much about Davy Crockett. But I did know I wanted to see the Alamo where he met his demise at some point in my life. And I went there and the outside was spectacular. I was amazed with it. The inside was even more beautiful and I just couldn't believe that this old structure was still intact so pristinely. And there were people, get, you know, taking tours, learning about it. You know, people going through the ins and outs of the outside because there's a whole area. There's separate little smaller buildings. But I knew what I had to do in order to add to my collection of pieces of places I've been. Yes, I have a piece of Alcatraz. You know, I have a piece of just all these places I've been, including now the Alamo, because I was able to chip off a chunk of the wall itself and keep it as a keepsake, because that's the way I am. Now, I was judged, yes, quite harshly, in fact, by my wife. Her family, I don't think, noticed that I, you know, kind of wandered away and stole a piece of the Alamo itself. But eventually, places like this, you know, they won't exist. It'll either collapse under its own weight, or they'll refurbish it so many times it won't be realistic anymore, or they will break it off into pieces and put it into museums and other places, whatever the case. But no one, other than I, will truly have an original piece of the Alamo, just like I do in when I was in San Francisco and I stole a piece of the Alcatraz of a window from the front office where you would check in as an inmate at Alcatraz. Yes, I was pretty impressed by this by this snatch I did. You know, it was, it was a scenario where there wasn't many people around, but there was a tour guide kind of looking around, seeing what people were doing. But when you go to Alcatraz, they just let you wander. So I wandered my way to a spot where there was nobody, and I yanked a piece of the window off, which actually had, like, wire going through it, so it was really hard to get off. 
But I made it happen. And these are important keepsakes to me because then I can look back and remember that day and maybe even someday realize that I was a total asshole for this and a douchebag. But right now I'm still proud of myself, so judge me if you will. I have a piece of the Alamo and I went there and it was amazing and I highly recommend it. I appreciate you listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It is a wonderful day because tomorrow will be my 300th episode. So stay tuned. It's sure to be a doozy. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, I used to think I wanted to live on a farm somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Just minding my own business. Every day's the same. Just wake up and farm my land and maybe have some animals out there and, you know, just be alone. But I've realized over the years, I need people. I need them. I need them to help me make money. I need them to, you know, talk to and not go insane. And I just, you know, I belong to the city. I'm a part of the city life. I was born in a city. I am a city dweller. Now, here's a song that has always reminded me of myself when I hear it. And perhaps you've heard it a million times, or maybe it's eluded your ears over the years somehow, some way, and you've never heard it until now. Either way, I hope you enjoy it. It's by Glenn Frey, and it's called You Belong to the City.
taste it.